I take this step for my country, for my people, for the Marxist Leninist of life. Knowing that today is but one small step on the journey that someday will take us all to the stars. Welcome back to Beers, Beats, and Bob, where we, your co-hosts, Cade and Lisa, take you through the Apple TV show for all mankind. Spoiler free! Oh my god, I'm so excited! We're back! You said welcome back, but this is kind of like a welcome for the first time also. For this It's show. like both. It is. I mean, for this specific television show, yes, but like we're on the same feed. It's not like we're going anywhere. We're on the same like Battlestar feed. We're rocking the same showrunner it's all fantastic you and i haven't seen each other for like ever it's either. been a long time and we didn't even have time to catch up we were just like should we do it let's do it and then we're just doing it so that's our you style know, i may learn some i may learn some things about you on the way um first things first let's open our beers because i've been looking at mine <laughs> for the last you know five minutes we've been setting up um You're so tell me about your to- beer pretend that it took me five minutes to set up when it actually took me 45 uh. <laughs> it's okay look we had some technical issues it's fine um what what beer did you get i'm interested to see if we got any of the same very, so i'm a lightweight these days so i've just got one uh nice good size can here that's probably going to tide me over but i've got aeronaut which is a beautiful nice. like, red themed gorgeous can. it's an ipa um, I don't really understand all of it, what it says. It's a year with Dr. Nandu, and I don't really know what's happening there. There's some ghosts. Okay. There's, there's a, it's a big scene, but I'm thrilled that I found it's a, a really red big aeronaut can. Yeah. And it's super awesome. local. Nice. We love that, which is for you now, West, Massachusetts. Western Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. I also, my first beer, so I have two beers because, and I don't really need two beers. And I thought about this before I started. I'm like, I don't think I need to drink two beers in this episode, but I found two beers that were perfect. Um, so my first one is called, you can't, I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but it's got a little astronaut and he's actually also like, oh, it's like pinky red and it says OMW. So it's called On My Way. <laughs> Hello. Uh, which I thought was kind of cute. It's also beautiful can Ooh. art. Um, it is an interstellar pale ale, which I think is actually just an IPA. It was an interstellar IPA. Very on theme. Um, I don't know what makes it interstellar. Um, and it's from Fifth Frame Brewing Company, which is in Rochester, New York. Um, and my, I, I'm going to open that right now, actually. I really wanted to get the sound like, oh, yeah. Woohoo. Oh, it's frothing over. Um, mine is frothing nice. too. Both of our beers got mm. really excited. Oh, they're so excited for us to be back. Um, oh, yeah, that looks nice. I'm pouring it into a glass because I'm a bougie oh, bitch. Oh, look what I have. Hey! Yours Gita. is way, way better condition than mine. <laughs> I am using the only beer glass I've ever stolen from a bar, uh, which is... <laughs> from the Raleigh Times, uh, shout out, sorry, I really like this cut glass. In my defense, I tried to buy it and they wouldn't let me buy it. And then 
the guy that was I was with who knew them was like, just steal it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And so I yeah. did. I stole um, a, But it's my favorite class. I stole a Moscow Mule mug once because the bartender told me not to steal it. Like that, he handed me the drink and he said, don't steal this. Like, don't fucking tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, obviously <laughs> now I am. Um, My second beer, which I don't have with me because it's still in the fridge. I wasn't going to be out here drinking warm beer. As I said, I'm a bougie bitch now, uh, is called Full Moon Bleak. Uh, which is a double IPA by Evergreen from Pennsylvania, which I just, it was too good to not get that one too. Yeah. Um, but on my way, and it's also the can is like, it's space can. It is. Like, it's like a moon. It looks like someone's like on the moon. It's like beautiful art. And hilariously, the other can looks very similar, but they're completely different breweries. So kind of wild. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. To a... To a new show. To a new show. To Beers, Beats, and Bob, which at some point I'll understand the name yes. of our podcast. So, <laughs> so on the name, uh, for those of you, so this is a spoiler-free podcast. Cade has not yet seen any episode except for number one. Um, I had a big think and I was going to do like a like an F alliteration and it felt like I was like maybe like foam and like something and for all mankind. And I was like, damn, that's just like. It's too hard. I want to stay with the beers and the beats. That was cool. And so the only word that I could come up with from the show is Bob, which doesn't um, come up until I think like episode three or four, like okay. where okay. Bob fits in. Great. Um, but I can wait it's really long. about the alliteration for me. Yeah, 100%. So it's going to be fine. You're going to understand. It's great. Okay. Uh, so before we get started on the beat by beat and this episode specifically, um, let's get a bit into the background of this show because it's super interesting. Yeah, we're back in the um, land of so Ronald D. Moore. We are! You know, I'm just like, I watched all of For All Mankind and I was like, oh, I need more Ronald D. Moore. So now I'm watching like Outlander. I'm like, this is, I need, I need it. I need it. I'm like, because Battlestar is not on any uh, streaming services right now. So I can't even like rude. watch Battlestar. Devastating. Very rude. Um, so this is a show that is co-created by Ronald D. Moore, Matt Walpert, and Ben Nadidi. And so Matt and Ben worked together on Fargo. And Ben, I know, did Umbrella Academy, which I also really love. Um, but I don't really like know these guys that well, as I know Ronald, our friend, obviously. <laughs> our buddy Ron. Um our buddy Ron. Um, so the idea of the show came about because Ron was just casually having lunch with a former NASA astronaut, uh, Garrett <laughs> as Reisman, one as one does, and they discussed the possibility of an alternate history in which the Soviet Union reached the moon before Americans, and that's sort of how this whole idea came about. Um, so that's that's that. So this is that's like the premise of the the television show. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I like saw this first episode when it first came out, and I was absolutely not sold, and Rewatching it again now, I can I can totally see why that was. Um, but people kept mentioning to me, kept mentioning to me, and so I just kind of pushed through. And I'm just like loving it. As 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 of recording now, the season finale of uh, of season four is coming out on Friday this week. So, which is tomorrow. Oh my god, it's so exciting! That is, <laughs> um, that is exciting. it'll be a while till um, I get what, there, but I'm excited for you. I mean, thank you. Um, so the episode is called Red Moon. It's written by Ronald D. Moore and directed by Seth Gordon. What did you think of this first episode? So the first thing you said to me when you approached me about doing this podcast was all the podcasts about For All Mankind are by men. 
And watching this first episode, I understood why maybe that was like, I, I liked it. So far, it's not a show I'd say I'm obsessed with. I assume it's going to really good places because people that I trust love it. Um, but this first episode felt a little bit like like a boy who grew up in that time period, like is now an adult with a huge budget. And it's like, I want to have astronauts race in their fast cars to a bar where they all sing together. Like that seems like a little boy's kind of fantasy. And then walking in slow motion in spacesuits and stuff. Um, there are female characters, absolutely. I wouldn't say they're well developed in the first episode, but not no nothing is. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I I understood like just from where we are at the very beginning, why maybe this was a show that was appealing to to men. Yeah, so it's interesting. That is absolutely what put me off of this show when I watched this episode, and I was rewatching it, and I think it's intentional. So not to spoil anything, but the direction this show goes is absolutely not that. And I think that now rewatching the show, and so it's, I guess, like also like maybe in a in a time of streaming, people sort of hope that a few episodes will be, um, you know, watched before someone gives up on it. I kind of regret that I had like watched, I watched this episode and I was like, I don't care about these men, <laughs> like, frankly. And I was so disappointed because Ronald D. Moore has always had these really badass, strong female characters in all of his shows. And I was really surprised. And now that I rewatch it, having the, I guess, like benefit of hindsight and like what I see, I think they've done it on purpose. Um, because without spoiling too much, like, uh, this is not where the show ends up. So I think that uh, in a couple of episodes, it will probably become clear why it's so heavy on that. Mm -hmm. But I'm, like, rewatching it now, I'm like, oh, that's why I didn't like. Like, that's why I wasn't interested in it. It is very, like, machismo. Like, yeah, we're the guys. We're at the bar. <laughs> His wife is like, you never talk to me about your feelings. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm glad we kind of came to the same point on that because it's exactly my um, my point of view. But the, the thing that gave me hope was the through line of this, uh, the Mexican girl who is. Aleda. Uh, yes, yeah. Who is crossing the border because I'm assuming this is not a show about how a young Mexican child saves NASA. So I'm guessing we're going to get a time jump or something at some point. That's my theory. We get so many time jumps, Ooh, I love time uh, jump. which is kind of an interesting. Yeah, it's kind of. Exactly. It's kind of an interesting way that the show moves forward. It's uh, I, I love the time jumps. They're, I'm really excited to cover them. I've had so much fun. Like watching this, I was like, I don't know that much about American history um, and I don't know that much about NASA history or like the space race, Cold War, etc. Like, you know, touchstones, but like also, you know, even just stuff like who's president when is not something that's like a strong suit. So it's been so rewarding doing research on this. I have seven pages of notes. So let's get into the beat by beat um, because, you know, we want to keep this, you know, quickish. <laughs> We're going to okay. do our best. So this episode takes place from June 26th to July, July 21st in 1969. Um, I will say that prior to this, so the point of divergence, according to Ronald D. Moore, is in real life, uh, Sergei Korolev, who is the father of the Space Soviet program, dies in 
1966. Mm. In the show, he survives his surgery, and that's the point of divergence where this uh, the timelines start drifting apart. So the fact that he lives is the reason why uh, Russia makes their flight. Um, so that's really super interesting. Um, and like going into like the history of like the politics and everything and how it's because this this like this whole thing is yeah no, just I've learned so much. So we start with real footage of Ted Kennedy talking about the space race, etc. Uh, also with Aleda and her mom in Mexico. So Aleda is the Mexican girl. She, they're watching the first moon landing. She's kind of like, why is this important? Her mom's like, no, 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 I want you to remember this, uh, which you know, we find out in a later scene, her mom has passed away. So obviously she just wants this to be like stuck in her mind as like seeing this big momentous occasion with her mother, um, which, you know, is an interesting place to start uh, for this show. Um, it is, and so you, you kind of pan out to people. It's easy to almost forget that like that thread is mm. happening throughout the episode because there's mm-hmm. so much else going on, um, but they do, they come back to it at important moments. Yeah, so much happening. And um, so many, you know, so many different interwoven stories. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's really, this episode is really like a, um, a character development episode uh, for a lot of the men characters specifically. Yes. Um, so you kind of pan out to people all over the US. People are watching. Um, you kind of got like, you know, guys in the bar and people all like over watching this, all over the world watching the this. The guy from Orange and is so, the new black who's always very concerned about lesbian activity is the uh, news reporter. Oh, really? Yes. He's, he's I didn't know he's that. Like the prison guy in Orange is the new black who is. Oh, and you can hear so it. It's good. like the same voice. So the whole time he was talking, I was like, <laughs> lesbian activity. <laughs> That's fantastic. I actually was thinking just as we hit record that I didn't look into who the newscasters were or if they were actually the newscasters of the day. So obviously they're not. Um, uh, yeah, which, I mean, it's, it's uh, certainly not like it's certainly new footage. I, I'm not sure if he was meant yeah. to portray someone, but I, it seemed like it was a fictional newscaster. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you have confirmed that because I had a moment where I was like, <laughs> fuck. Um, so, um. So the original date of Apollo 11 was in July 1969. So we're in June. So this is pre-Apollo 11. Um, so we pan to the moon. And at this point, like, I mean, obviously we know the premise of the show, so, but we don't know but that it's I Russia. Did, yeah, I did not know. I If I knew the premise of this oh, you show, went in I, went in the, I went in <laughs> so dark. Uh, so like it was, I love that. It, I'm sure not many people had this experience, but for me, it was very, very effective when the voice on the TV was Russian. Like it was actually yeah. unsettling, weirdly. And I'm not like a very patriotic American or anything, but there was something unsettling about it. Um, so I thought for, for me and anyone else who watched it without knowing anything, um, it was really effective. Well done. Yeah, I mean, um, I I knew what the premise of the show was, but it still, I think, was very effectively done where we don't really know until he starts speaking that it's a Russian person. Mm-hmm. It was scripted very well that way. Yes. Um, so, oh, yeah, I don't know if I said this. I did say this. Ronald D. Moore wrote the teleplay for this one, so <laughs> I'll be surprised. Um, so Alexei Leonov is the first man to land on the moon. And he says, obviously in Russian, I take this step for my country, for my people, and for the Marxist-Leninist way of life, knowing that today is but one small step on a journey that will someday take us all to the stars. And the Americans are which, so mad. They're so mad. Every they're so mad. Every single one of them. 
So Alexei Leonov is actually a real person. He was the first man to walk, to do a spacewalk um, on the Vosh Cod 2 aircraft. Um, so he was outside the spacecraft for 12 minutes and nine seconds on the 18th of March, 1965, um, connected by like a craft. Um, he also made the first work of art in space, mm. which is really beautiful. And I will absolutely put it in the show notes. And I'm also going to send it to you right now because it's very pretty. So he's the first artist in space. Um, but for all intents and purposes, this man sounds absolutely lovely. So he did, he was actually trained to fly the Soviet lunar lander. It's gorgeous, right? Um, yeah, it looks a little like your beer can. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, he was also selected to be, to be the first Russian to land on the moon. Um, however, in real life, the un, um, the unmanned Soviet N1 moon rocket failed all four times and it was launched uh, that it was launched and the Soviet moon landing program was cancelled. Uh, so in real life, he didn't go back into space until 1975 on a joint mission between the US and the Soviet Union. And he became friends with a commander that we'll learn more about later in the episode. Um, and he is now like the godfather of the younger children of this uh, American astronaut. So oh, wow. that's like a really sweet story he has a book actually that i um with he has a book with an american astronaut i can't remember what it's called um about the cold war and the space race which i plan on buying and reading so i think that's so interesting so this is a real life person that they've uh based this this first man in space on um and that's the that's our cold open um so that's the beginning you know the opening credits of this of this tv show um yeah yeah I love um that. so you go to the credits I, and they yeah. The Americans see him as almost like a vil like he's just this kind of anonymous, almost villainous thing to mm. them. So it's really lovely to hear the actual story of like the Cold War ended and everyone is friends now because they love space. The end. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even before, like the Cold War didn't really end until the late 80s, early 90s, correct? Yeah. And so they did go to space together before that in real life in, in 1975. And it's just like. And I think that this is something that may come up, you know, later in in the series is like these the joint missions and stuff, and and the U.S. Soviet relations in this world. Um, so I'm really excited to get into that upon learning this. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so we get the credits, um, and we open on some footage of Nixon talking to his chief of staff about the fumble, and so another point of divergence of history. So in real life, I've only just learned today because I don't didn't follow, you know, American politics in the 60s. Um, but in real life, Ted Kennedy went to a celebration party. I just learned about this uh, from this island. episode as well. I went on the craziest yeah. deep dive last night. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about it, seeing as I'm like history gal <laughs> for this? Um, yeah, so... I am flipping just to my little extra page of notes. So in Chappaquiddick in 1969, the day before the U.S. landed on the moon, Ted Kennedy drove off of a bridge um, and his car like flipped like upside down in the water and he was able to escape and he had a passenger in the car with him, Mary Jo Kopechny. Um, and... There is so much scandal around this incident because he did not report. She she was still in the car. He did not report the accident until the next morning, like 10 a.m. the next morning. 
there's like, I don't want to get too deep into it here because that's like a whole mm. other podcast, but he claims he attempted to rescue her. Uh, there's a whole detail about like he was driving her to get the ferry so she could get back to her hotel for the night, but she left her purse and her hotel key at the party and didn't tell any of her friends that she was leaving. His wife wasn't oh my there. God. What was going on? Um, and the most horrifying detail was they think that she was probably alive in the car for at least a half an hour um, and that she actually suffocated because there was an air pocket. She didn't she didn't drown. It's really, really oh, that's dark. Horrible. Really, really sad. Um, yeah, I I didn't do because I had deep dove the whole episode. I didn't go so deep on this specific thing. So I'm so glad you did. I couldn't stop. Um, <laughs> it was. There's a lot. There were like 15 books written about this. Like this is this was an incident wow. that people really obsess over. But it killed Ted Kennedy's um, presidential hopes. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, because because it was. So I also saw that like was it Robert Kennedy got shot because mm -hmm. Robert Kennedy was actually going for her and then got shot and then so Ted Kennedy was running, and so in the For All Mankind timeline, the scandal that took him out of this scandal. Um, didn't happen because yeah. he had to go back for um well because the russians whatever. landed on the moon so he was like oh and oh so no i have to yeah. go back to washington i am not going to chappaquiddick yeah which yeah it was a little yeah. throwaway line that i was like i'm gonna look that up um and i was so glad that i did because wow uh, as i said so flipping rewarding is this show and so like so this completely changes everything so like we hear nixon talking about the fumble and how it's going to and so he's talking about how Ted Kennedy might now run for president. Uh, so the footage that they use for showing the presidential campaign is actually Bobby Kennedy, um, but the face is just in shadow. So they've used um, footage from Bobby Kennedy's 1968 campaign as like the footage. And someone doing a solid Nixon impression to give us this narration, which I think someone's is really doing a tool. really solid Nixon impression. Like I was like, this is fucking dope. Like I'm I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. Very smart. Yep, 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 yep. So moving on from that ridiculous scandal, which, you know, now that it also adds just like a new texture. I don't I can't remember if Ted Kennedy ends up being president in yeah. the show. Oh. But like no, not in real life. <laughs> but like in the show I can't remember. And so like I mean It see it sounds like it's heading that way. Because Nixon gets Nixon gets reelected in real life in seventy two, but he's like it sounds like they're headed for maybe he he won't but then he would never have to resign yeah. in disgrace oh my god i mean it's so interesting and so i love the way that this show goes into like alternate political histories and it really like moves in a super interesting direction mm -hmm. so excited but then we would never get the movie dick which would be tragic <laughs> i mean He's still, I guess, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, actually, does the Watergate scandal happen in the show? It's interesting. Um, I don't know if we're going to spoil that now, but I will definitely look into it um, in future it episodes. It certainly would have been as big of a scandal if he was no longer president. Because mm, mm. I don't remember when Watergate happened, like, when it was when it all was the information came out versus when it actually happened i i'm not i don't have the info on i mean i guess that's something you'll have to go on a deep dive on in future episodes Perhaps. i might leave you some little tidbit like real history things yes, to deep dive on i can't research anything about the show but i was happy to 
to dig into a little bit of the history. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Love that for us. Okay. So we move on from that nastiness to the house of Ed and Karen Baldwin. So this is the first time we're like properly meeting them and their son Shane, a little bit of breakfast time shade. He's like, dad, they should have let you land on the moon. Yeah. But his dad Um, is also like a total dick. His dad, I fucking hate Ed Baldwin for the record. Yeah. This is not, he is a dick. I mean, Joel Kinnaman is great in this role, but this is not my, like, I like Joel Kinnaman when he's like a bad guy with a heart of gold. And here he's like uh, a bad guy who like looks like a good thinks guy. thinks he's a good guy. I don't, like, I like mm. Joel Kinnaman when he looks a little like strung out and messed up and, and, mm. and he's very clean cut in this. Um, he's great. Just, you know, not my favorite Joel. That's all. Yeah. So I think what's important to mention here is that in so in real life and in the show, Apollo 10 happens in real life. The crew members were Thomas P. uh, Stafford, who is actually the guy who ends up being besties with the um, first Russian on the moon in the show, like Leonov, um, John W. Young and Eugene A. Cernan. Um, In the show, it is. Uh, the people on Apollo 10 are Ed Baldwin um, and then uh, Gordo mm. um, and uh, another guy who's actually really cute. He, it, It's funny, I missed it the first time I watched it, but um, in the end when they're doing the, there's like that astronaut on TV who's like, um, he's like doing um, the little plane thing. He's like showing how it oh, would yeah. work is the third guy on the mission um, whose name is somewhere in my notes. And it's it's super cute. Well, I did like that moment on the news because it was so old school. Like, now we'd have, like, some giant screen showing some fake thing. And it's just, like, he's just on the news with little toys showing how it's going to work. Yeah, and so on the show, that's, like, the third person. And I'm sure his name will come up later. My notes are just There's too extreme. There's too many white um, guys to remember all their names. And that's my hope. That was my hope for this show going forward is that I will not have to remember the names of all these white guys. Yeah, you won't. Right. So, so I will happy. say that there are a lot of them at the beginning who like you don't super like there are ones that are important ones that are not. So like so basically what happened in Apollo 10 in real life and in the show is that they went up to the moon and they were very close to the moon, but they didn't land because that was not the mm-hmm. mission. And so the real life Apollo 10 um they considered making it a landing mission. So it happened in, uh, I have the date here somewhere. Um, Apollo 10 happened in May of 1969. So initially they did, yeah. So they did consider it. And then the reason that they didn't is because um, it was, you know, something like it was just like a a scoping mission or something. And um, there was a feeling within NASA, even in real life, that it was a little bit senseless that they got so close and didn't land. And so I think you hear later um, Ed saying, like, oh, I could have reached down and touched it. And so, like, I guess in real life doesn't really matter because we still were the first people to go to Mm -hmm. the moon. Um, I do think it's interesting that the um, the three crew members of Apollo 10 were actually much more um, experienced than the crew members of Apollo 11. So for Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and um, Tom, uh, I keep wanting to say Tom Collins, but it's Michael Collins. But <laughs> Collins. I keep thinking Tom of Tom Collins. Collins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but for those three, it's actually only their second um, mission. Um, and they were like the backup crew, actually, uh, for Apollo 11 in wow. real life. 
Um, yeah, so that's also really interesting to see. Um, okay, so we have that little, like, you know, home scene with Ed. Ed's obviously really pissed, all this stuff. We then go to this amazing, amazing opening scene where yes. we meet Margot Madison. This is such a fantastic, like, just this is how you sleep in an office. Like, no one's ever done yeah. it better. Yeah, perfectly done. And do it, like, Ooh. literally doing rocket science while brushing her teeth and, yeah. then, like, comedically struggling to put her stockings on, which I haven't worn stockings yeah. in a while, but I remember. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, Margot's such an interesting character, and this is such a great, like, especially retrospectively, the more you get to know her, such a great opening scene. Um, So a lot of folks, um, you know, on the forums and stuff thought she was based on either Poppy Northcutt um, or Joanne Morgan, who were both really prominent women at NASA in that time. You do get a little moment in the beginning where when she's walking down the hall, she says, hi, Poppy. So, like, I think that's, like, a mm. shout-out to Poppy Northcutt. Um, the reality is is that she's actually just based on a picture that Ronald D. Moore saw of Margaret Hamilton, who was a computer scientist at NASA, and there's a photo of her with all the guidance software. Yeah, as tall as her. Have you seen yes, this picture before? Yes, it's such an iconic picture. It's like, it's to- isn't it taller than her? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's taller than her. So she's a computer scientist, and I'll send it to you just to, like, have another gander at it. Um, but, yeah, like, a really cute photo. And so apparently, like, Ronald D. Moore based, like, Margot's character off this picture, not knowing anything about the person who that <laughs> was. Um, which, if you look at the picture and you look at Margot in the show, you can see how that is. Okay, so we go from sort of Margot's, like, intro into kind of, like, the control room in NASA. Um, we meet uh, Deke Slayton, who, again, is a real-life person um in real life and i guess in the show up to this point um he was medically disqualified so he was an astronaut he was medically disqualified from flying in 1962 he was then selected to be a senior manager of the astronaut office um and actually because of his rotation schedule that's why neil armstrong Buzz aldrin and michael collins became the prime recruit for apollo 11 um i think that further on in his life he does actually manage to get himself back up to flight status and i'm pretty sure he does end up going to um to space um at some point good in his for life. Deke. so um good for deke in real life and he's um, belfler from um true blood you have all of the references and i'm here for it because i didn't know who any of these actors were there's a lot i was of, like i've never seen any of you there's before. a lot of like oh that guy in this show like it mm. took me a while to get some of them and i don't have all of them for sure not me being like, who are these unknown people? <laughs> <laughs> but I do like, same with Battlestar, like Ronald D. Moore doesn't always work with the A-list, A-listiest actors. And I really like it because sometimes that's distracting yeah. from the story. 100%. I do. Um, So he gives, he gives this big talk about like, you know, it, this really sucks. Uh, We're going to like pause our stuff today we're still gonna go forward with your mission but just go out get drunk get over it kick a kick dog he says don't dog? do that kick your it's horrible you know how mad i was about that line yeah i i believe it i thought about that actually i was like <laughs> kate's gonna hate that line um so okay so then we have this like very macho oh scene God. of the men ra- racing to the tavern to the outpost tavern is this place is going to be like you know an important place in the show um, fun fact, the lineup of Corvettes that were driven by the astronauts is actually accurate. <gasps> so there was like a Cadillac Corvette dealership that offered special terms to astronauts in the 60s. And so most of them owned or leased um, 
owned all these to Corvette and they used to race on the NASA runway. So like did. this is actually kind of like a fun, true fact. <laughs> um, we meet the bartender, Pam Horton, who I love. I love I Pam. Love, I also felt I, for her in that moment because they're like, mm-hmm. make a big, I've been make that, a big I've been mess Pam. in the bar that only you were going to have to clean up. Like, Look, we've all been there. Game. Yeah. yeah, she is game. She's very cool. Um, we intercut this scene with a conversation between Thomas Paine and Werner von Braun, with uh, so who are both real people, by the way. Yes. Um, yes, with a CIA agent who is not a real person, Winston Blake. Um, and they're having a conversation. Oops, I might have accidentally deleted what the conversation was. Uh, they, um, but they're basically talking about. Yeah, they, um, they can't. They want them to move up the launch. And they're like, we can't yes. land on the dark side of the moon because no one will be yes. able to see. Uh, yes. That's basically it. And then there's a press conference. Yes. Yes. And the press conference I have not accidentally deleted my notes for. So Deeks asked why they didn't land on the moon a month before. And he just responds, you know, that it was not on the mission plan. Werner von Braun, again, a real person, supported him by saying the fuel levels were insufficient for landing, spacecraft way too much, all Do of that. Do you want to get into von um, Braun for a sec? I didn't actually go into von Braun because I wasn't sure what you knew or how big of a figure he was here. And it really is not part of the plot at this point. Will it become part of the is. plot? It will become part of the plot, and I wasn't going to. So, have you done research? I into did because there's a guy with an accent, and I was like, "Is this a weird actor choice, or was this a real guy?" And then I looked up the real guy. The real yeah. guy, yeah. So, I mean, maybe just in the interest of not spoiling it for people who don't want to be spoiled, sure. I was like, "This is a real person," but we're not going to get into that this episode. Looking forward because... to a weird discussion later. Yes, let's have that weird discussion later. Save your notes on von Braun. Um, and like, obviously has this really close working relationship with Margot, which is Mm. like also interesting. Like we get into that later in the episode. So we're back at the outpost and there's like this reporter walking around. With total bias Walter hair, by the way. Okay. So fun fact, learned this yesterday. So I was doing deep dive into all the people. Is this a real person? Is this not a real person? Blah, 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 blah. I look on and I'm like, okay, his last name is Akdenis and he's from Melbourne. Um, and I was like, oh, I actually know a guy called Ag, like with that last name from Melbourne. And so I re- reached out to him and I was like, hey, um, so, you know, Melbourne's small. This is not like a super common last name. Like, do you know this guy? And do you know like a, a guy with like a last name, your same last name um, in in Melbourne who, or from Melbourne who could be this actor? And he's like, oh, no, the only people with my last name in Melbourne are my parents. And I said, well, f- I said from Melbourne, but like here, this guy. OK, he's like, oh, yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God. Okay, so when I mentioned that it was an actor with your last name from Melbourne, I would assume that you might think it's him. Like, it's kind of the messages were like, are you crazy? And I'm like, I don't think I'm crazy. Like, okay, cool. But maybe it's just some random guy who has the same last name as you. And they kind of look alike, actually. Um, So it turns out I am related to this person in real life. So shout out to my friend Oz and his brother, who is uh, playing this reporter, Paul Santoro. Also, I love how many conversations Um, we've had where you've had to convince (laughs) me how big Australia is. And then it's like two people in Australia (laughs) with the same last name and they're brothers. (laughs) The most hilarious thing happened on this point the other day where I was having this conversation with someone and they were talking about this like viral meme from Australia where these two guys like were having conversation and very Queensland, whatever. 
and I realized that so this is like a big Australian meme and I'm like Australia's huge whatever as if I know this person it turned out I knew his sister <laughs> I will say Australia is big but I think when it comes down to like people doing cool shit it is smaller you know so you also like, know a lot of people. I mean I know a lot of people also like I worked at a very like community heavy job in Australia and like you know all of that so but at, and I, I was running like alumni engagement over here for an Australian university so like that's how I know the guy whose brother is this character anyway that's fun fact on people that I am connected to in this show <laughs> which is exactly one which is but that's amazing this I don't even know his first name, Mr. Dennis, who plays Paul Santoro. Um, so he walks in the outpost. He's kind of bothering everybody. No one wants to comment. Um, he approaches the crew of Apollo 10, so Ed and Gordo uh, there, and he tries to get them talking, and he's like, oh, you know, it must really sting. What happened? Um, so Gordo just kind of is like, you know, the spacecraft is too heavy, had too little fuel, but, like, peace out. I'm going to go pee. Um, but he stays with Ed and he kind of is like, you know, why didn't NASA have the guts to let you land? And Ed just starts like, you know, you know, like venting about the situation. And he's like, doesn't agree. He thinks that since the Apollo one fire, which is a thing that really mm -hmm. happened that, um, you know, they go and do too many test flights just because men die. He's like, we all know we might die like that. Like he's like, you know. He's, like, upset about that, which, like, he tells this reporter, like, a fucking dumbass. Yeah, we also, I think okay. they've probably been there a while. I bet he is a lot of beers deep. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. He's sad. He's, like, you know, but why are we defending Ed Baldwin? No, anyway. No, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> None of that. So we pan back to Mexico where Elida is mourning the loss of her mother. A beautiful um, grave, and by the way. Gorgeous Beautiful scene. grave. And, you know, we see this where, like, he, her dad puts her, like, gets her in a truck and, like, obviously they're kind of making some movement. Um, so back at NASA, we see this test landing and we also see kind of firsthand how competent Margot is and how much she is dismissed. Mm -hmm. So based on the fact that Gene Kranz, again, a real person, um, he decides to abort the mission based on, like, her hesitation. Um, so in real life, fun fact about Gene Kranz. Uh, so he's a flight director. Um, so in the series, he wears black or gray vest. Yes. In real life, his wife used to make him a new white vest for every mission he was a flight director for. Which and apparently that was a, is a, a big moment in Apollo 13. Yes. So I haven't actually seen Apollo 13 maybe since I was a kid. No, like okay. it came out in 95. No, but it's, like, I don't think I've seen good. it since I, I was I've watched it a bunch. It's yeah, I feel like we maybe should have done. I think maybe maybe that's like a an episode we do down the yeah, line. Yeah, well, depending uh, on I was thinking I'd where need to the watch time it. jumps fall, it could be fun to like watch this one in yeah. episodes or something. Absolutely. Um, so whether Von Braun basically like pulls her aside, like we're kind of seeing their relationship. He's like, it's her fault. She hesitated. She shouldn't hesitate. She knew what she was doing. So he's sort of like championing her and her confidence. And I love this. Like, um. There's no feelings. There's no feelings at NASA. It's my Tom Hanks impression. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Um, so at Deke's office, uh, he's reading to Ed. He's basically calling Ed out about this bullshit. He's like, why would you say this? Um, he's like, Apollo 15 might not even happen, which I guess is the next flight that he's meant to be yes. on. Um, since everything would be canceled after Apollo 11. So Car uh, Ed goes home, discuss it with Karen. Um, and Karen's just like, you know, like thinking forward, she's like, how do we plan our life around this? I guess you're going to have to go back to like the Navy, whatever, or whatever. Or go to Vietnam. 
Like that. Yeah, exactly. That's basically where the discussion ends up, which would yeah. be bad. Which she's like, yeah, a hundred percent. And um, oh, although they do mention the Seventh Fleet, which actually started in Brisbane in 1943. Good figure. Fun fact: it actually exists. It's still, I think, it's still is running maybe um anyway they have a big fight she's pretty mad because like he's basically i guess used the excuse that he can't talk about work to not talk to her about how he feels about things and then she's just like yeah "Yeah." and she's just like oh so i have to read it in the fucking newspaper like fuck you so he sleeps on the couch but then she like comes back and she's like you know oh i'm sorry like you're going through a hard time whatever i love that our couch is too small so you have to come back to bed have to come back to bed Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so he walks into the packed office the next day and everyone goes silent. He apologizes. Uh, he confirms his trust in, like, Neil and Buzz and Mike, um, who will all be going to the moon soon. Um, and Deke walks in and tells him there's two weeks to launch. Um, there's, like, a little inter scene here. Like, inter, like so we kind of move from here to the month of the landing um, and we see this little scene where the plaque is removed from Apollo 11. Yeah. So I think this is a plaque that was really on Apollo 11. It was. Which said, yeah, which said, here men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon. July 1969, we came in peace for all mankind. Um, yeah, that was also one of the shots that I was like, wow, this, sh- like, like they're working with a much bigger budget than we left wrong with in Battlestar. In Battlestar Galactica, yeah. 100%. Just the, like, with the... Because they're all the way up on the, the top of the... Yeah. The, whatever. The, like, scaffolding the against the rocket ship with <laughs> yeah, Ava yeah. in the background. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous mm. show. A much bigger budget, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Um, So we're in the room, the, like, you know, ground... Oh, I don't even know what it's called. We're in the room where the ground crew are. And we get this big uh, Cold War speech by Gene Kranz. Okay, so two things. Um, Firstly, the music here was so Bear McCreary that I looked up if he was the composer, and he is not, and I'm devastated. Because I fucking love Bear McCreary for Ronald D. Moore. He's been in the game so long at this point, and is so, like, he's got to be one of the, like, the top, you know composers but why does anyone want to work on this show is my question but i'm sure he's like he's influenced other people at this point like other people have probably modeled their careers after bear mccreary yeah um this move this this part though i was like oh that's real bear mccreary i didn't i didn't um, that. i want to like go back and watch this scene now that was the moment where i had to check <laughs> just remember being like okay 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 it's gotta be but during this speech um gene cran says failure is not an option which is the title of his autobiography in real life, but wow. he never said it. So Ed Harris, who played him in Apollo 13, ad-libbed it in filming, and Kranz loved it so much that he took it for the title of his book. That. And they obviously loved it so much here that they took it for his speech that never mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is followed by like this incredible intercut scene between the launch, Alita and her father crossing the border, the women and children watching at home, and the men at the outpost. And I just think this is like incredibly done. Here is the name of the third person of the Apollo 10 mission. <laughs> um, Fred Talmadge. Great. Uh, so he's like the the Mike Collins of the Apollo 10 mission. And he's the one in the fictional reality Great. that we're in. I forgot and that And he's the one already. doing the spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> Fred Talmadge. Remember his name. He does a little mission ship things on the news. Okay. There's one shot right around this time that I really want to talk about. Tell uh, me. So it's like we see the 
I don't I don't know what we're calling it at this point. I guess it's still the 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 ship that's like we see it kind of going around the moon and it's it's mm-hmm. beautiful and gorgeous. Most of this show seems to be shot like like Battlestar Galactica was shot very like docu style, like shaky camera, mm. like we can we're very aware of the, of the camera person. And this show for the most part there are a few scenes that do that, but for the most part it's like more like still kind of panning like like regular movie kind of shots. Mm-hmm. This is a CG this is all CGI. It has to be because it's a shot of like the spaceship and the moon. Um I mean we, and don't we know. do this like sharp zoom in and refocus and zoom in again on the ship as a, and that's like that was all into it's not like they got that accidentally and they were like that looks cool we'll add it in like it was clearly designed as a CGI shot. And I just thought it was really interesting because Battlestar used to do that all the time. So Yeah, yeah. I, when I think about that, I think about yeah, Battlestar. Yeah, yeah. Shots. So I feel like either it's like just a nod to Battlestar or it made me mm. think like, I don't know, like um Gene Krantz in his last speech was like, We're gonna see if there's life out there. I don't know where this show is going, mm. but it kind of was like, oh. whose perspective is that? Like interesting. Really, I spent a lot of time thinking about this shot. Wow, I love that. I didn't think about it at all. I thought about it zero. I feel like you should know. You thought about a lot. So of, you that's thought why there's two of us. Many, many pages of notes. Yeah. I thought about seven pages of notes. <laughs> I did not think about that shot. I'm glad I could bring a little something. You brought a lot. Um, so they talk about what they would have said on the moon, which I think is yeah. really interesting. If they'd well, we, yeah, 10. we also have this split of like all the wives are watching at home and all yeah, the men yeah. are watching in the bar. At the bar, yeah. So all the wives and children are at home. The men are at the bar. Uh, Alayda's crossing the border with her dad. And then we've got, like, you know, also, like, everything else happening. Um, So when he's talking about this, Gordo references an event in Chicago that had happened. um, And he's talking about the days of rage demonstrations by the Student for a Democratic Society Association. So they occurred from 8th to 11th of October against the Vietnam War. Okay, so I Um, looked up Chicago mm. police violence riot 1968 or whatever. I got April 5th. I got August 26th through 29th. Like, this was a bad year for Chicago. Um, Mm. It was the day after MLK was killed. There were big riots. Mm -hmm. The DNC Mm -hmm. convention happened in Chicago in late August. There were... Um, there were there were riots, there were protests then, and like massive police violence. I didn't even get to the one you're talking about. Like it was dark. Yeah, I mean, on the site that I saw, it said that um, it's talking about this thing in October. But when you're saying that, it sounds more like it would be the MLK fallout because MLK was killed around this time, correct? He was April, killed in um, April of 68. April. April. Yeah. But this is in 69. But he's so saying, I think he's talking about last year. He said like, Oh, he's yeah, talking about last, last year. year okay, cool. Chicago. So this is right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's talking about specifically this, uh, this event where 800 students faced about 2000 policemen, um and members of the national guard 35 injured over 250 arrests um and so he goes into this really serious conversation about like you know how um you know offering some perspective on the world and coming together and what stuff and then he's like i come in peace three times a night and it's like oh yeah we're bros we're at the bar 
Yeah. 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 I did yeah. I did okay. think it was interesting that there there wasn't a hint of like they deserved it in that speech. Like because a, like a a well-to-do white guy in Texas could absolutely have mm. taken the stance of like that police violence was for a reason because we still hear mm-hmm. that in 20 it's 2024 now we're still hearing that fuck it is 2024 um, damn i don't want to think about and that. he really focused on like the hatred of the cops like that's all mm. what that speech was about which felt modern to me but um yeah it's it's an interesting insight maybe into gordo's character is that like that's the hatred that he was hoping to see you know kind of like Erased. Yeah, and I think he touches on like I like I lived in Chicago, so maybe there's a little bit more empathy coming mm-hmm. for that than like, you know, you often get in different places in America, especially with big cities. People like to make a lot of assumptions about like the demographic and like, oh, of course this is happening because of all the people of color and all of this and that and poverty and all this shit, which is actually just cities are just infinitely safer yeah. <laughs> for the most <laughs> part. Uh, so it's this whole like you know smear campaign. Um, anyway, so we go back to the women. Um, we briefly meet Tracy, who is Gordo's mm-hmm. wife. As they're discussing um, Midnight Cowboy, which I've never seen. I have seen it either. Watch Add that one. Yeah. An X-rated. Well, it's X-rated because of homosexuality. Ooh, John, John and um, Dustin Hoffman. I'm very. I've heard oh. of this film before, and now I'm extra intrigued to see it. Okay, I'm just going to put a little list here. Midnight Cowboy, Apollo 15. I didn't even pick, like, I knew, I remember they were talking about a movie. And it is funny because they do have a lot of uh, touchstones in this movie about, like, uh, in this show about movies and, and uh, cultural, like, things. And, like, it's interesting to see, like, what political events stay, what political events don't. Like, what, what television and TV remains, what doesn't. It's, like, super interesting to me. Um the soundtrack for this show, like, it's not, you can't, it's not really display in this first episode, but the songs that they choose, like, are we surprised, are fucking fantastic. Yeah, well, we didn't even talk about, because we're going to get to it again at the very end, but the, like, what becomes mm. of the brokenhearted, that seems mm-hmm, to me mm-hmm. like it's going to be, if not only the theme of this episode, like, maybe the theme going forward is, like, the U- the U.S., NASA, the astronauts, like, they're yeah. devastated, and, and he touched on it in that speech, the vest guy um like the best yeah, guy like, we're, as he will now be referred well, that's to I, that's the best always guy what I him in apollo 13 which for some reason the mm. best guy was important to me um i was a weird kid uh <laughs> are you telling me you're not a weird adult of course because i'm a weird adult. Tell you this. how do you think i became this way um, yeah he's like you know if we succeed we're not stopping we're gonna keep going and that is where I assume mm-hmm. the series is going is like in reality we got there first and we were kind of like okay that was enough um, mm. and I my guess for the series if I have any predictions is that this is about what if the US didn't stop at the moon mm-hmm. or maybe not even and- the US we're going to have predictions corner and you just save all of these up there because I I love it. Okay, so while they're having their conversation, Marge Slayton walks in, who is the wife of Deke. The queen has arrived. The queen has arrived and you can see like the whole room shift and Marge like takes Karen aside and she's like, it would be best for Ed to make a public denial 
saying he was misquoted and then there would be po- like then he could be reinstated for Apollo 15 and Karen's like absolutely the fuck not <laughs> my husband would never agree to that he's just not that he's guy. a dick I like also she she calls him Eddie which is kind of cute like they've obviously you know got their thing sure. um so they get a little quick scene with Margot and Von Braun um we see more of their connection um talking about like landing a man on the moon they're kind of toasting to it you know um which comes back later because it feels like they're like already celebrating something that hasn't happened yet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so this part i i wonder if you did research into this because i kind of did a cursor like a quick look over this part but it seems like uh so they there seems to be an issue with the landing they're asked if they should abort gene cran says it's up to neil at this stage and then they lose comms I don't think did this happen in no. real life. So my no. my speculation was something happened when the Soviets landed first that kicked up rocks and dust and stuff and made their ah. landing site their intended landing site rockier than they thought it would be. Interesting. It, I also wondered if, you know, even like it sounds silly, but like, you know, they remove the plaque and they're like, oh, that's less weight for the ship. And I'm like, I wonder if that even had an effect. Maybe? Like, maybe they got there a little faster and like it wasn't quite the right timing or like there's space so many math. like small things. Space math. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I think either or both of those could have been a factor. Mm. But yeah, that I, I am very, I'm very confident that that did not happen in real life like they did they didn't lose contact no one thought they had died nixon definitely did not get on tv and make a speech about how sad it was that the astronauts had died um which i thought yeah. i'm sure that that speech was prepared i'm sure that was like uh we can get into oh. that yeah let's wait let's wait okay, okay so at the, as time went by mission control couldn't reach them van Braun concluded it was likely that they crashed mm-hmm. Um, and they're saying like they could have survived, they had suits on. Deke mentioned there was no contingency plan, there's no way to perform a rescue, et cetera, et cetera. Things we, you know, understand. Um, so Mike, who's, you know, the guy in the lunar orbit, um, he could see that it had landed um in a very rocky area, but he couldn't see any movement. Um, four hours pass. Um, Marge kind of tells everyone, like, you go to the Aldrins, you go to the Armstrongs. Like, she's like managing, she's like, goats comfort their wives. Um, fun fact so Michael Collins in Command Module is shown to have grown a mustache in the um in the like thing. So he grew a moonstache. That's historically accurate. He he has a very famous moonstache. He oh. kept it through quarantine when he returned to I Earth. I love moonstache. Um, I want a beer called moonstache. I love moonstache. <laughs> Me too. Maybe I haven't like finalized the art for our podcast now. Maybe we need a moonstache on it. Like a man like, in the moon with a mustache kind of a situation. I mean, perfect. <laughs> um, so this is when NASA informed the president they've probably crashed. And we hear Nixon preparing a speech. I don't think he gives a speech. He's preparing. Oh, speech. that's true. Yes. We hear him saying like he's like rehearsing it because famously he recorded yes. everything in his office. So we hear him so rehearsing the recorded speech. If if you might indulge yes, me, please. if I send you this speech, could you read out the speech as read on the show? Yeah, sure. Okay, so this is the Nixon speech on the okay. show. I can't do a Nixon impression though. It's fine. You just read it dramatically because <laughs> I know, you know. In ancient days, better ancient times, I think. In ancient times, men looked at stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do much the same. But our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood 
and these men will remain the foremost in our hearts. For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. Okay, that's great. We'll do it just like that. Okay, so this is uh, to H.R. Holderman from Bill Sapphire, who I assume is the um, one of the speechwriters for Nixon from July 18th, 1969. In the event of moon disaster, fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery, but they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal, the search for truth and understanding. They will be mourned by the fam- their families and friends. They will be mourned by their nations. They will be mourned by the people of the world. They will be mourned by a mother earth that dared to send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one in their sacrifice. They bind more tightly the brotherhood of man. In ancient days, men looked at the stars and they saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do much the same, but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Isn't that cool? cool. And obviously, this was a speech that was prepared when Russia had not gone to the moon first. But I like that they have pulled from this a real life speech that was written in case of emergency. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yes, for it's stuff do... like watching The West Wing has made me more aware mm. of like, of course there would have been a speech prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Nixon's not sitting there being like, what's my speech? I mean, obviously, like, you know, I think that, um, like, and that's, that also makes sense when they say, like, in ancient days, better ancient times, I think, like that, like, you know, he's correcting that. And I like that they start with the end. And like, obviously, maybe they didn't want to read the whole right. speech, but the whole speech is actually beautiful. Like, Go Bill Sapphire. That's a gorgeous mm-hmm. speech. Like, I got chills reading yeah. that. Really great. And I can imagine, especially at that time. Yeah, they would have needed... If, gorgeous. If those astronauts had not survived, that they would have needed mm. a hell of a speech to attempt to provide mm. any comfort or sense. So, yeah. Mm. 100%. Well so then we have Deke going to Von Braun, and he's, like, saying there's a problem because Michael Collins is refusing to return alone. Um. Which I just want to know. I, I tried to look this up and I couldn't find it. And I, I want to know if that was like also historically mm-hmm. accurate, if he had made that decision in his mind. And I didn't really get time to go down that rabbit hole. But like, I thought that was really interesting. Like, he's like, if they're done, I'm done. And I think that him as a figure was like, he was the guy who was in the first mission who's never mentioned. Like, I knew the names Neil Armstrong mm-hmm. and Buzz Aldrin. I didn't know the name Michael Collins. And I just think it's, like, a very interesting beat of this show that he's like, nope, if they die, I die. That's it. I'm, I'm up here. I'm staying here. I'm yeah, done. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, I think for the character, like, the character of Ed is fictionalized because, like, there's too much of this character for them to have taken like a real person and ascribed mm, all this mm. stuff to him that they couldn't possibly know. Um, mm. Like I'm interested in where they're making the choices of like fictionalized person, real person. Um, and this is like a really bold thing to ascribe to a, a, mm. an actual real person if it wasn't true. So I would be curious to well, know. 
he is he is um he's deceased at this point um but yeah i would if any of our listeners know please let us know because i did kind of look it up and i think that there i did see a couple articles which i didn't get time to read about like how he was like a very undersung person in this first mission that isn't often mentioned and like to my point i didn't know what his name was um uh so yeah i just like i thought that was really interesting um, but kind of at that moment, they receive a transmission from Neil and he's like, we've landed, not my best work. Uh, <laughs> and he says, which I thought was a really great line for this show in general, we had a really rough start, but we decided to pick ourselves up and get back to work. Yes. Uh, which just feels like exactly what they're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. He says that, which seems, um, yeah, sorry. I lost, I've. I have reached the point of beer where I lose my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's one of the last thoughts. And then the, I think the last line is um, in the control room saying, like, now we got to get him mm. home, which yeah. uh, the, I don't believe they had any, like, major problems in the actual moon landing getting them home. But mm. they didn't have this. Uh, this rocky landing they didn't have mm. four missing hours they like we i i don't know at this point what condition anything is in or if it's going to be more difficult to get them home yeah i honestly don't even remember like because it's funny because you know as i said like to the point of it so let's just finish off the episode and then we can talk yes. about it but so basically they say this and then they end up with the u.s flag on the moon and they're playing and they're the song skipping. like what becomes of the broken heart what if we they're what skipping. if we went to the moon and skipped around that would, would be like fun that. i would skip on the moon there's less gravity it sounds great so that's the end of the episode fantastic choice of song of course um okay firstly in previous seasons we have done counts mm -hmm. Now, there may be counts in the future, but for now, my counts are real people on show. Okay. So we don't have frack in this universe, No, sadly, but they're allowed to actually curse. So we don't need frack as a device. We don't need frack. They're yeah. allowed to curse. They're allowed to curse. Perfect. Um, and there may be some things in the future. And if people have ideas of what you would like us to count, I'm open. <laughs> uh, the, it makes us have to the watch main the show thing... really closely. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um which, like, evidently I did. Um, but, uh, and you did too, sorry. I, I didn't want to speak for I you. Did, I'm sure but the I one didn't thing... watch as closely as you did because uh, now I'm the newbie and you are... Well, I have the benefit of yeah. hindsight. So I'm, like, looking at things that you're looking at. Okay, so we are counting the amount of people in the show who are real life people. Um, and so in this episode, we have 12. I don't think it's always going to be this high, but I think because we're at the point of shift... So we have a lot. So we had Ted Kennedy, Alexei Leonov, Richard Nixon, H.R. Haldeman, who was actually Richard mm -hmm. Nixon's chief of staff, Deke and Marge Slayton, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, Michael Collins, Gene Kranz, Thomas Paine, and Werner von Braun. All right. Um, and I will say of those people, I mean, obviously, Ted Kennedy and Richard Nixon will be featured quite a bit. Um, there, I would say... A large majority of these people aren't going to be people we spend a lot of time with. Um, there are a couple who definitely are, like, more series regulars, which is interesting to your point of, like, portraying people who existed in real life who are, you know, at, in this show. Um, but so that's our counts. Great. Thank um, you for doing that. And what else did we used to do before? We did counts, right, and predictions. Mm -hmm. 
And what else? Did we do anything else? We talked about the themes, but this theme, there's not much theme yeah, here. It's well, really a lot of introduction. Uh, I And I wonder if this will happen as we go on, but I think we would get more and more distracted. Like when we were 20 episodes deep into a season, we would have lots of long random conversations and we would get to the end and be like oh my god we've been talking for two and a half hours we have to stop now um so i but this show is a lot more and i think this is the thing about modern television is this show is a lot more like everything sort of counts Mm -hmm. like i think about like when we all thought that that piano player was starbucks dad and like it was pretty fair that we did right (laughs) for all intents and purposes it seemed like they were setting it up and it was just like a mistake ronald d moore is like whoops i didn't mean to make that like a thing and i think that like (laughs) having only 10 episodes and like they're all like very like important Mm -hmm. i think it's like a very different conversation than in Battlestar when we're just like also like just getting real drunk together (laughs) yeah like there are throwaway quote unquote i'm doing air quotes throwaway Hmm. lines in this in this episode that are like that it's like that the the line about Chappaquiddick like that's a line where mm. like if you know you know and if you don't know maybe yeah. you look it up and you spend three hours on Wikipedia um, maybe <laughs> but that's like there uh, I appreciate that there's not a ton of hand holding in this episode about like yeah like I actually if I want to know who's real and who's not I can just google that and I don't need to spend episode yeah. time like learning more history than they had already packed in here um so i i think it's yeah well done in that aspect yeah i also like it made me rethink because like i watched like a season of outlander and then i kind of got like over it and then i've like recently just started having it on again in the background and i was like i'm sure that if i knew a lot about like scottish mm. english war and history this would be also like super interesting to me and i just think that it's interesting like because Battlestar Galactica, if you think about it, is really a retelling of the history of mankind. Spoiler alert. And I, <laughs> spoiler alert. Look, I assume most people are coming from Battlestar, but I will put a note. Well, look, no, it's long enough now. Y'all can be spoiled. But like, the point being is that. It's still worth a watch. It's absolutely worth a watch. But like, and like it's not so I mean it is it's like the but like I think you can get there but like I think that for me it's like interesting that like it seems that like Ronald D. Moore's thing is like alternate histories and I think that's super cool I do think that's very Um, interesting yeah and I I, like I know there was that show Man in the High Castle like it seemed like there's also maybe a trend of this for a while of like alternate history type of content someone mentioned Man in the High Castle to me yesterday when I was talking about Mm -hmm. this show okay so really quickly We've agreed that the only theme in this episode is masculinity. We hate it. <laughs> well, it's masculinity um, and it's what becomes of the brokenhearted, I think. What becomes think of the brokenhearted, we'll be they go to the bar, they drink, and they shoot their mouths off. What are your predictions for this show? Well, I think that little Mexican girl guy gets to space. Mexican girl gets to space. Her name is Aleda. Aleda, Aleda, Aleda. I'm so bad at names. Gets It'll to take space. me a while. No, me too. Hey, I watch all of it. Of course I know her name. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know it after the first episode. Don't worry. Um, okay, so Aleda gets to space. Appreciated. Yeah. Um, yeah, which makes me think, like, she's got to be 10 or 12 or something. So I, I assume we're getting... Um, Time jumps. We're getting time jumps. I don't have a sense yet of like 
how much time, how quickly it'll all mm-hmm. happen. But I know we're, I assume we're going to go at least like 20 years into the future. So she's an adult capable of going to space. When do you think we're going to go to 20 years in the future? Well, I will be curious. So knowing that all of this episode focuses a lot on like real people, I'll be curious to know if we meet any other real um, astronauts or historical Mm -hmm. figures, because there's only so many time jumps you can do before you get to 2024. Uh, So I'll be curious to know if we meet any other historical figures and if we go past our current timeline into the future, which I suspect Mm. also would be a thing that could happen. Hmm. Okay. And then you had some other, uh, you said something about the, is there life out there? There, that, I, listen, that was a big speech. That was a big speech by mm. this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think uh, in the research that I did, it seemed like the, uh, like, and it seems obvious anyway, that the next step would be going to Mars. Um, so I think if the U.S. doesn't stop at the moon, that they'll go to Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, and and beyond? Mm-hmm. Other planets beyond question outside mark. of the solar system? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is there life out there? That's a question that I'm hanging on to. Okay. Okay. So we've got a lady gets to space. Um, is there life out there? U.S. will go to Mars and beyond, question mark. Do you have any predictions for the specific characters that we meet in this episode? I should have thought about Next time I'll think about this more, like, ahead of time. You don't have to think about it now. That's totally I fine. Ed is too much of an asshole to not have some kind of, like, like either he's going to get some comeuppance or he's going to, like, have some kind of change of heart. Ed will get comeuppance? Yes. Yeah. Or a change of heart. No, I'm just revisited by three astronaut ghosts and (laughs) become less of a dick at Christmas. (laughs) Uh, It's Scrooge. Oh, wait, it's not. It's not. Is it Scrooge? It's It's Scrooge treatment. (laughs) Three astronauts. Three astronauts. He watches Midnight Cowboy and it changes everything for him. Watch his Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> and then I'm just going to put followed by a question mark. I think we'll see. Followed by a gay. <laughs> and in very Alice South Park. Like, get socks, question mark, profit. Watch his Midnight Cowboy, question mark, I don't gay. know that you okay. need a question mark there. I think that's No, the, okay, that's the Midnight Cowboy is the question route. mark. Yeah. I'm just gonna say watches Midnight Cowboy. Ed watches Midnight Cowboy as a as a <laughs> just because I think it's a ridiculous one and yeah, I want it yeah, there. I'm almost out of beer. Um, I think I've I finished my beer and I I feel really proud of myself that I haven't reached for the second. I stand by having two beers because how could you not have both those beers? They were perfect. Yes. But I'm gonna drink that I, double IPA not when I have plans I later. I almost got another beer for this episode and I held off, but it was called Second Fiddle which I thought was nice. Hey, that's a good one. I like us choosing different Mm -hmm. beers. I think it's fun. I think it's a nice surprise at the beginning of the episode. You're like, what? How did you take this? What did Mm -hmm. you get? And one day I just hope we accidentally come up on the same beer. I think it'll happen. 
I think yeah. it will. I think it will. Um, yeah. Well, that's that fantastic. Was really fun. I so far I'm enjoying this show more now discussing it with you already. This is my thing. Is like as I said, like when I first watched it, I wasn't into it at all. And as I watched it, I'm like, this just seems like the perfect show to deep dive on. And if I'm gonna fucking do that, I may as well do that for y'all. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And like, I didn't spend three hours on Wikipedia last night for nothing. Exactly, exactly. Like it's so much fun, and like especially like being a non-American and like not being alive in this period and not knowing that much about it. Like my mom was literally born in 1969. Um, so like she doesn't even remember this. Yeah, I, uh, and I'm, so it's just I'm like, very curious mm. to hear your perspective. Like a lot of this history was sort of like, you know, is beaten into people in the U.S. as they grow up, like mm. Kennedy and Nixon and we landed on the moon. We did it. We are the ones. We are the guys. We landed on the moon. Um, and I'm very mm -hmm. curious to hear uh, from someone who did not grow up in this country, like how all of this is sitting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really interesting for me. And I think that's why I struggled to get into it at the beginning was really because um, I didn't understand the history that well. And so it's just like, but then as I went on and I really like I really pushed through and like I, it was absolutely rewarding um, in the subsequent episodes. And I, I'm not going to lie, like the first three episodes, I was barely paying attention to. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to put this on the background. I got, I'm like writing crosswords. I got shit to do. So I'm just going to have it on the background and like see if I like get interested at any mm -hmm. point. Um, which like, I guess I have this problem with a few things. I think I have the same issue with, um, with the expanse. I like, I find the first season very boring and I, and I've understood that like, again, it's the same thing. People keep telling me it's amazing. It's amazing. And I'm now trying to get into season two. And I know there's going to be more like interesting women characters and all of this, but like, I really sometimes struggle to like get hooked in and then it's fun to go get hooked in and then go back and be yes. like, Oh my god, this is actually super interesting. Yes. Yeah, I I think um, some shows take a while to find their feet, and some shows are just like we're a slow burn, and you have to like experience the slow burn. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think either of them are finding their feet. I think that especially with this show, I don't think it was finding its feet. I just think that like without knowing that it's going in this direction, mm -hmm. like to your point, like both of us had the same response to the first episode. Like this is so macho bravado. Like I don't want to watch this shit. Like, I don't care about it because I absolutely watched it when it first came out. I was like, yes, Ronald D. Moore, I am here for this. I started watching it and I'm like, nope, I don't care. And then more and more people told me that they loved it. And I'm like, okay, maybe it moves in a direction. And thank goodness it does. I'm so excited to share this journey I'm with so you. I'm so excited We should absolutely too. wrap I up. I truly believe. Like, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, and I am yes! ready to forget all the names of the and I want to say like when we're talking about men we're talking uh, in this episode especially uh, only about cis white men yeah yeah and honestly to be fair Cade the first season of Battlestar Galactica I didn't know who any of the white men That's were fair. Either. and especially then because they're well they're all in the same uniform it took me seasons. But then these guys are all like in the, everyone in the NASA control room is in the same shirt so it's just I'm tired it took me for all mankind as well. It took me like at least a season. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, oh, is that guy having an affair? No, it was a different guy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. With yep. his wife. And I was like, no, they're having an affair? That whole, no, that's his that wife. whole other white couple that I, because I watched the episode twice. And when I went back, I was like, yeah. oh, oh, those were different people. Okay. Different people. <laughs> yeah. So like, that's cool. We'll get there. We'll work it out. 
it's all it's all gonna happen um but i'm so excited to do this with you i'm so excited to be i just i love doing my like serious history podcast but like when i want to listen to a podcast i just want to hear about two people who are not men talking about a show or a movie they love my favorite kind love it so excited to be doing this with you we're gonna sign off for now we will be back for the next episode i am not gonna make any promises about frequency or whatever i have had a year haven't we all haven't we all absolutely i'm gonna say bye bob which means nothing to you yet but bye bye, bob Bob. you just say it back bye bob bye